It's great to be with you this morning. Are you hearing me okay? Okay, it's coming. Okay, good. Um, I'm so happy to be here this morning. Um, It seems like once in a while something happens and I get an opportunity to be with my my family here and uh, share what I found about God. And so this is one of those Sabbaths when I'm really excited to be with each one of you. I looked out here and... um, and I thought to myself, boy, these are some individuals that like a challenge. Because you all came out in the rain. And thank you for doing that. I know it'll be a blessing to you. Last night, my wife and I uh, were driving along. And then we stopped. She got out to do something. She came over to the window. I rolled it down. And um, as it went down, it, it made a nice thunk sound at the bottom. We talked for a little while, and it never went back up again. And so uh, I drove back home. I had forgotten what a wonderful feeling it is to have the bracing cool air blowing into your car at the night. And I was praising the Lord all the way home, and I looked as I got out of the car, and I could count the sky, the stars in the skies almost. I could see so many of them. And I turned to my wife, I said, this is wonderful, it's so clear out here, I can count the stars and I don't even have to worry about covering the car or anything like that, because it's not going to rain anymore till Sunday morning, or Sunday evening. Well, God has wonderful blessings for us, doesn't he? God is so good, we've been calling for rain and praying for rain and wishing for it, and now he's given it to us. And the wonderful this morning thing this morning when I got up, The car was spotless and clean with water that washed off everything. And you know what? He even washed the inside of the car too. So God is good. In one of the church families I served in, every time I said God is good, they would answer back, God is very good. I'd like you to do that this morning. God is good, isn't he? He is very good. And what a joy it is to be with him. I'd like you, if you would, to join me with a, in a word of prayer just as we begin our study this morning. Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, you've given us such wonderful things in your, in your scriptures. You've showed us so much about you. I would pray today that you would send your Holy Spirit not only to be with me to be able to um, have your gift of tongues, and to be able to speak what you want me to speak about, but also to touch each life here and heart in such a way that the Scripture becomes real and applicable and shareable to others. And so I thank you this morning for what you've uh, set about doing for us already. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas time, and I hope you had a wonderful... uh, New Year's night for us. It was interesting. I went to bed early. I guess I'm getting old. And uh, I heard about 12 o'clock, I thought I was in Aleppo or something. (laughs) Uh, I thought they were setting off uh, firecrackers in my backyard. But it was a wonderful experience. Linda and I had the joy of being with uh, our grandchildren on my son's side. And uh, with my son for Christmas time in Pittsburgh, yes, it did snow, and but it was a light dusting, and most of the time it was 
it was uh, pretty nice there and sunny and we had a wonderful, wonderful time. We met my son's new girlfriend. Some of you parents have had that experience where there's um, another one that comes along and so uh, we were getting to know her. Uh, we'd spent a little time with her before. One night we sat there together and, um, and she did what I was praying that she would do. She asked me a question about spiritual things. And when we're, and I was expecting her to, to ask something about the Sabbath and why we worshiped on Sabbath or something like that. But she said to me, I've got some questions I wish you could answer for me. And I said, what is that? She said, where, well, where does this fit together? this concept of free choice and predestination. Oh, <laughs> not exactly what I was expecting. Sometimes the questions that we have are not easy ones, and sometimes they're not comfortable, and they're not real easy to answer. But fortunately to me, for me, God had led me to study a little bit about that the week before, and it all came back rolling, and I shared it with her my thoughts, and, um, and then I asked her, have I answered your questions well? She said, I really like what you said, and I really like how it fits together, and, um, and I just sent up a prayer, Lord, thank you so very much for doing that for us. But in that, I wanted to revisit some of that, because if you're anything like me, You've struggled with some things in the Bible that just, you can't make them fit together. I think I will work a little bit on the Trinity for the rest of my life until I see Jesus and are in the, in the heavenly kingdom. Just trying to figure out how it all fits together in its unique and individual ways um, is a challenge for us. And this idea of predestination when it stands before us, it brings back all sorts of thoughts. The concept of predestination comes from the book of Ephesians. You might want to take out or reach forward and take a Bible and take a look at this particular chapter. We find it in the very first chapter of Ephesians, chapter 1, and it shows up just two times in this uh, in this. Um, in this chapter of Ephesians. In fact, it's only used the word predestination or predestined to be precise is only used two times in the whole Bible and both times is in the first chapter of, of, um, of the book of uh, Ephesians. Um, just to set a little bit of background, uh, of course, this, Ephesians was written by Paul Paul was imprisoned at Rome while he was writing this. Rome was an area that had not, it had a Jewish element in it, but it was largely what the Jews would call Gentiles. In other words, non-Jewish individuals, non-believing in the same kinds of concepts. And, um, and in that city, 90% of the individuals at the time of Christ were living at bare subsistence level. The taxes were high, Living there was very expensive. It was very crowded. There wasn't much work available. Um, it was a difficult time in the Roman Empire. 
And so people were having a really tough time. Um, the idea of predestination I find tremendously challenging. When I thought about it, all I could think about was God, way before I even was made, decided that I was going to heaven or I was going somewhere else. <laughs> and that decision had been made, and no matter what I did, the outcome would be the same all the way through. And so in this particular um, chapter, it's easy to focus on that particular thought. And of course, that's not great thoughts. It's not what we want to hear or experience, especially those of us who come from the United States and have experienced freedom. And we think that we have the ability to make those decisions ourselves. And so the idea of predestination is tremendously challenging. But I'd like to share with you two concepts today. If I could leave you with anything, I'd leave you with these two concepts. One is that God is much greater and much bigger than we can ever imagine. And His love and caring for us is much greater than most of us can ever grasp. God is truly amazing. Truly amazing. The second thing is a, a plan of attack for studying the Bible. I grew up in an environment in which when I was growing, uh, going through school, we did a lot of key texting. If there was a question about something, we found a text to answer it. If there was a, a, a biblical concept, we had the text, and we had a way to move through one text to another to answer that very, very well. But in a key texting experience, sometimes we can miss the joy of reading an entire portion of Scripture and seeing the big picture that God wants us to see. And so today, I'd like to show you a little bit about how to study and discover the big picture before you go to the small pictures and what that effect would have. Let's take a look at uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Um, in this chapter, Paul uh, starts out in talking uh, a typical introduction. And then he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place of Christ. Um, Paul starts out enthusiastically talking about God and all the things God has done for us. The blessing um, that he talks about here in Hebrew is called a barakah. Barakah. And a barakah is a blessing that comes from God. It originates from God. So when uh, Paul is uh, talking to you, us and to the uh, Gentiles at that time in, uh, in Ephesian, in Ephesus, uh, and to the, uh, to the Jews that were there also, he, um, he starts by just getting excited about how good God is to us and that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing coming from God, heavenly places in Christ. 
And then he says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Um, in that verse, he talks about being chosen. This concept was not unusual to the Jews, but it was unusual to the Gentiles. The Jews, reflecting back, uh, back to De Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 through 8, God goes through this whole thing in describing how he, did, he had chosen his people and loved them before he ever made them and has followed them through all the way and continues to guide them and bless them all the way. It's a, Jew, it's a Jewish concept ingrained that they are God's chosen, chosen people. And then he said he blessed us with every, excuse me, um, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He, he predestined us. Here's, the way, here's where it starts. He predestined us to be a, to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ in himself. And according to the kind of intention of his will. He again, um, to his will to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the richness of His grace. Um, Paul's getting excited here. <laughs> He's sharing with these people something they non-Jewish people have never heard before. They're struggling life. They're just barely making it. And, and they're downtrodden. And he's saying, this is how much God cares about you. He has generated the blessings for you. And here they are. He says, he's chosen you. He's, he's blessed you. He's chosen you. He's adopted you. And he's freely bestowed on you his love. And he's providing you redemption and forgiveness. Can you imagine that? To the non-Jew, as tough as life was at that time, don't you think these were good words? The reality, loved ones, is that these are good words for us here today, isn't it? Because we're adopted just as much as they were. We have been bestowed and loved. We have been forgiven. We have been given redemption. This is something to get excited about. Paul's so excited in this thing. He's trying to tell people that God loved them intimately from before they were created to the time we'll see that he returns again. In him we have redemption through, the, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the richness of his grace, which he lavishes upon us in all wisdom and insight. 
He made known in verse 9, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind of intention which He purposed in Him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of His times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ. Things in the heavens and things upon the earth in Him. Do you see how much He loves you? Do you see how much He cares about you as an individual? What excitement. What a wonderful news to receive. You know, if you're like me, it's real easy to get, get uh, busy with life. There's things coming at you every single moment of the time. And then you read the newspaper and you watch the news and stuff like that. It's really easy to get not only covered up with things that are coming, but have your world and yourself seem smaller and smaller and the rest of the world's bigger and bigger. And it would be real easy to try to meet all those needs and those challenges by yourself. Come up with some plan. Come up how to fill it, figure it out. But the reality is that when you start on that trek, it generally leads to the same place and the realization that something is needed beyond ourself. We need something beyond ourself. When I was younger, I think I've shared with some of you, in high school, I was privileged to go to an Adventist school. Twice a year, we had weeks of prayers. Often we invited in uh, speakers from... Uh, some of the pastors or, or the youth director or different people um, that could speak to us and give us good news. And they would speak to us, but always with the eye to the last day of the, of the week of prayer. And at the last day of the week of prayer, there was always an offering. Uh, not an offering. <laughs> there was offerings at other times. But there was an altar call. And there was always a call from the the speaker, for us to really accept Jesus Christ and have him in our heart and grow forward to that and feel victory in our life. And I always found myself responding to those calls and then asking God to make me somehow live the life that I can't live myself. But then under my own steam, I would get back with my sisters <laughs> And I'd be back home again or I'd do something like that and I'd get angered and unhappy and, and mad and do something that I know I shouldn't have been doing and I'd fail again. The reality I have found is that um, the God that made us and created us and had a plan for us and worked for us that same God continues to love us every day, even when we slip and fall. And the blessing is found that we have forgiveness and acceptance again. And He moves us forward in life with the Holy Spirit and guides us and directs us. And He has a plan for us. We'll see about that just a little bit later in this, this um, Scripture. He made to... Uh, he made known to us the mystery of his will as, um, according to his kind intention when, which he, propo he proposed in him. 
with a view to the ministration suitability of the fullness of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Jesus Christ. Things in the heavens and things upon the earth. Verse 11 says, Also we have obtained an inheritance. Now I would like to have an inheritance. (laughs) I have uh, not experienced an inheritance. I wouldn't want it to come because somebody was gone. But it would be fine if somebody said, look, I've been saving this for you, you know. But the good news is God has given us an inheritance, and that inheritance better than anything we could ever get on on this particular, um, in this um, experience. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, here it comes again, according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. Now, coming so far in this, you've seen predestined uh, come up twice. But you also see a lot in here talking about what God has planned for you, what He wants to do for you, how much He loves you, how much He cares for you, and how much He's given you to be able to accomplish these experiences and get through this life. And it says in verse 12, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. We were created and everything that He is doing for us and through us will ultimately bring a wonderful experience of praise. In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, verse 13, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed in you, were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with view to the redemption of God's own possession. Everything has been done to get you back. Isn't that good news? I've watched people build something on a place and they come in and they scrape it off and they clear it off. They go over it careful and sometimes they test the soil and sometimes they test the water underneath and they go through all these things to make sure that nothing is done wrong. But God has done it more complete. There's nothing that God has not already planned to do in your behalf in His quest to get you back home again with Him. Isn't that good news? Have any of you little kids ever gotten lost? I have. (laughs) I can remember being chased by a wild dog and praying for my Lord, please save me. And He did. He did got me down the hill at Cedar Falls in the dark from one side and down to the, to the bottom there where the creek is and up the other side. And I was safe and those dogs didn't get me. God has done that for you. I'm sure He knew it was coming and He planned for it. And it was an opportunity for Him to show me that He was going to take care of me. He does that for all of us. 
redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. For this reason, I too, Paul says, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints. And then Paul goes and talks about his prayer for us. Can you imagine that? Paul was already praying for us. Paul said this. He said, do not cease giving thanks for I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in which the of in the knowledge of him I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance to you, to the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? Then he goes on in, on his, on in his prayer, talking about God's power, which is much more than, than we have. He says about God, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly place, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as a head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Can you see what Paul is saying? Over and over he is so excited about what God has done for us. What God is doing for us. And how much God loves us and his plan for us in, in eternity when he's able to take us back home again. In the next, um, in the next chapter, chapter 2, you see something really interesting that states that makes this thing all balance out and a great truth. It's the big picture. It's the, the, uh, the description of our, our dilemma, where we're at in life, and what God has already done for us. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world according to the prince of the power of of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience among them we too all formerly lived in in the lusts of our flesh indulging desires of the flesh and the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest but god being rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. And then in parentheses in my um, Bible, it says, by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated as with him the heavenly place in Christ Jesus. 
in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And then he reestablishes it. He tells you one more time. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Christmas time, some of you erected a Christmas tree. (laughs) That green tree looked really pretty standing there, but it just wasn't complete. So you began to decorate it, make it pretty, and put lights and all sorts of different things on it. And it made it so full. Sometimes we as individuals think of ourselves as out there dealing with life by ourselves and trying to get through it. We're kind of like an empty Christmas tree. (laughs) The reality is that God wants to come into your life and clothe you and make you everything that He created you to be. And when you look at this last chapter and you say, well, what's the big picture? Some people can't see beyond the concept of predestination. Oh, no, (laughs) this can't be. The reality is when you look at this, the big picture that Paul's trying to say is that God created us with love in mind set us into this experience to be able to glorify Him so that others could, that He had made who no longer knew Him would be able to see the beauty of what He has made, what the universes could see. Everyone could see what God has done through the people that He created. Things went bad. Sin entered the world. God came along and said, I can't do without these people I created. I have planned all along. If this happened, I'm going to do this. And he gave his utmost for us. He gave us Jesus Christ. Christ came and lived and died to pay the penalty for the death that was out there. And then God said, I haven't forsaken you. I still love you. I care for you. I'm sending the Holy Spirit and I'm going to be with you all the time I'm going to give you these blessings. I'm going to give you these inheritances. I'm going to walk with you all the time. And above all things, you don't have to worry about are you good enough. All you do is ask for forgiveness and place yourself in Christ's care. And Christ's penalty, Christ's death, will pay for your admission into the heavenly kingdom. It's because God did it for us all the way through. What better glove could be that? And so is it about the big picture? Is it about predestination? No. It's about God having seen everything all along and worked on it and developed it and is working on us and developing us and carrying us and leading us on a journey through life to the heavenly kingdom. That's what it's all about. God is good, isn't he? 
God is, God is very good, isn't He? So as we start out this year and we move forward, don't ever think that you are not important to God. Don't ever think that God cannot make a difference through you. Don't ever think that you've done something so wrong that God can't save you. Because Paul would say, he can and he will. That's the big picture. <laughs> May you live in the big picture.